So I have been leading worship at Green Tree now going on 10 years. It's really hard to believe that. Um, And recently, God has been moving powerfully in my life towards deeper expressions of worship and devotion through the ministry of Wellspring that I'm a part of. One of the ways God is working transformation in my life is showing me how to engage Scripture in a new and fresh way. And what that's been looking like is putting myself more in the narrative in Scripture, especially the Gospels, more in the story. What did it look like from the hearts of those people who were involved? What did Jesus want for that person? What was his desire for that person? And as I'm doing that, I'm starting to feel the Gospel. And Scripture is coming to life, coming to life like it never has before. And so I want to bring a taste of that to you this morning. Recently, in a morning devotion time, I was reading a passage from John chapter 21. It's one that I had read many, many times before um, in our Battle for the Heart group. But as happens sometimes, it jumped out at me like it never had before. And so I want to share that scripture with you today, and then I'll share what jumped out at me. So let's look at John chapter 21 together, starting with verse 1. Afterward, Jesus appeared again to his disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. It happened this way. Simon Peter, Thomas, called Didymus, Nathaniel from Cana and Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two other disciples were together. I'm going out to fish, Simon Peter told them, and they said, we'll go with you. So they went out, got in the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Early in the morning, Jesus stood on the shore But the disciples did not realize that it was Jesus. He called out to them, friends, haven't you any fish? No, they answered. He said, throw your net on the right side of the boat and you will find some. When they did, they were unable to haul in the net because of the large number of fish. Then the disciple whom Jesus loved said to Peter, it's the Lord. And as soon as Simon Peter heard him say, it's the Lord, he wrapped his outer garment around him for he had taken it off and he jumped in the water. The other disciples followed in the boat, towing the net full of fish, for they were not far from shore, about 100 yards. Will you pray with me again? Lord, we thank you for your word and just these pictures we get of what it was like to follow Jesus and and really what it is like now to follow Jesus. Lord, we want to hear from you this morning. I pray that what is, is not of you would fall on deaf ears, but what is of you would penetrate our hearts deeply and transform us to become more the sons and the daughters that you've created us to be. In Jesus' name, amen. So what struck me about this passage was verse 7. The disciple whom Jesus loved is thought to be John, and John realizes it's Jesus, and so he tells the other disciples, in particular Peter. What I love is Peter's response. As soon as he hears that it's Jesus, he jumps in the water and starts swimming to Jesus. He can't get to Jesus fast enough. Wow, I mean, what a demonstration of devotion to Jesus. When I saw that, I thought, I want that kind of passion. I want that kind of devotion. So the question that came to my mind was, what had Peter experienced that would bring him to do something so extreme? And how can I get to that place with Jesus? And that's what I want us to look at today. 
What do we see in Peter's relationship with Jesus that would bring him to that place of reckless abandonment? So a little background on Peter. Um, He's what we would call a blue-collar worker. He was a Jewish fisherman, rough around the edges. He was a very passionate guy, sometimes depicted as rash and hasty and even capable of great anger. At the same time, he was seen as someone capable of great love and devotion. Peter became a disciple early in Jesus' ministry. And we know that by this time, this passage had been written, that he had spent about three years with Jesus. They traveled together, ate together, and experienced some amazing things that were life-changing for Peter. So I want to look at some of the things that Peter experienced with Jesus over that time. The first thing I want to look at is Peter experienced a sense of identity and purpose. In Matthew chapter 16, we see this. But what about you, he asked, who do you say I am? Simon Peter answered, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by man, but by my father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church and Hades will not overcome it. Could you imagine having Jesus speak words like that to you? And I tell you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I get chills when I read that and think about what it must have been like for Peter. What did he feel in that moment? It must have been so empowering and motivating and challenging to hear his identity and purpose spoken over him like that. I want to show you a movie clip that I think echoes the gospel story and the power of knowing our true identity in this way. And so I'm going to set that up a little bit for you. It comes from the movie, The Legend of Bagger Vance. In the movie, Matt Damon plays Juna, an incredible young golfer who is the hero of Savannah, Georgia. When World War I breaks out, Juna leads the young men of Savannah to war. In one devastating battle in the woods of Europe, all his men are lost. He wins the Congressional Medal of Honor, yet he loses his heart. He returns to Savannah not as a hero, but as a broken man who uses alcohol and gambling to cover his pain and the echoes of what could have been. The woman Juno was once in love with now owns a golf resort on the verge of bankruptcy. To save it, she has set up a golf match between Walter Hagen and Bobby Jones. Juno is invited to play to represent Savannah but initially resists the invitation because he's lost his swing. Then Bagger Vance, played by Will Smith, sort of a mystical figure, appears as a caddy to call him back to his true story, the story for which he and he alone was designed for. Juna finally accepts the invitation to play because he wants to come through for the woman he still loves. Juna is devastated as he comes to the next to the last hole. He has hit a really bad shot into the woods, and we pick up the action there as we see him come face to face with his greatest fear. Let's watch the clip. Thank you. 
You gonna be wanting a different club, Dale Junior? I can't do this. Hey, you might should just loose your grip up a smidge. You know, a man's grip on his club, just like a it's man's grip. It's not what I'm on... talking about. I know. No, you don't. What I'm talking about is a game. A game that can't be won, only played. You don't understand. I don't need to understand. And a soul on this entire earth ain't got a burden to carry. He don't understand. You ain't alone in that. But you've been carrying this one long enough. Time to go on, lay it down. I don't know how. You got a choice. You can stop, or you can stop. Start. Walking. Where? Right back to where you always been, and then stand there. Still. Real still. And remember. It's too long ago. Oh no, sir. It was just a moment ago. Time for you to come on out the shadows, Juno. Time for you to choose. I can't. Yes, you can. But you ain't alone. I'm right here with you. I've been here all along. I played a game. Your game. The one that only you was meant to play. One that was given to you when you come into this world. Take your stance. Strike that ball, Junior. Don't hold nothing back. Give it everything. Now's the time. Let yourself remember. Remember your swing. That's right, Junior. Settle yourself. Let's go. Now is the time, Junior. with what I got to work with. We ain't done yet. All right, so let me just ask you, what's happening inside of you after seeing that clip? Did it evoke certain emotions in you? Those emotions can be dashboard lights.
to deeper desires. There are a couple things I want to highlight from the clip. Juno wants to give up. He initially decides to not even try. If you recall, he's going to reach down and take a penalty, pick up the ball. And about that time, Bagger shows up. And Bagger says, you've been carrying this burden long enough. Time to lay it down. You need to start walking back to where you've always been and stand there still, real still, and remember. It was just a moment ago. It's time for you to come out of the shadows. Time for you to choose. But you're not alone. I'm right here with you. I've been here all along. Juna needed to be reminded who he really is. His identity and purpose had been hidden, and he was believing a lie instead. Juna, Juna had a deep desire to come through, but his own fear was keeping him from fulfilling that desire. He was sabotaging his own desire, and he needed to be reminded who he really is. The next experience that I see that Peter had was he experienced desire. Peter had a desire to show his love and devotion and come through for Christ. Look at John chapter 18, verses 10 through 11. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest's servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? So in verse 10, we see that Peter bought into this false version of what was a good desire. He wanted to come through for Christ. And so he grabbed his sword. But this was not the way to see that desire fulfilled. In fact, his response was actually hurting Jesus' mission. We all have deep desires put in us by God, and if we don't fill them with God, they will get filled with something else, usually a false fulfillment of that desire. One example prevalent in our culture is pornography, which is a false fulfillment of a true and good desire put there by God. The good desire is usually a deep desire for intimacy, connection and rest, beauty, but we attempt to fill it in a deceptive way through pornography. It often happens when we feel like God is absent or maybe he's holding out on us. Maybe we're tired of waiting on his timing. So we assume control of the situation and try to get our deep desires fulfilled outside of God. It doesn't work. We might derive a temporary benefit but the deep desire goes unfulfilled and it will resurface and wreak havoc in our lives. God put the desires there and he wants to fulfill them. He will not allow another to take his place. The third experience that I want to look at in Peter's life is he experienced the glory and awe of Jesus in Matthew 17, we read about when Peter, James, and John went up the hill and they saw Jesus transfigured right before their eyes. It says that his face shone like the sun. His clothes were bright as the light. And then God himself spoke and said, this is my son whom I love. 
With him I am well pleased. Listen to him. And then picking up in verse 6, it says this. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down on the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. I mean, what an amazing experience that must have been. Try to put yourself in Peter's place at that moment. What would you have been feeling? This was a transcendent moment. This was an experience with the supernatural, with God himself. This experience changed Peter forever. And we can experience God like that too. That is what worship is all about. It's not meant to be a time when we merely talk about God and hang out with other Christians. It's meant to be a time that we actually experience the living God ourselves. Look again at how Peter, James, and John responded to an encounter with God. When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said, don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. I love how it was in the midst of their terror. Jesus didn't remove the circumstance. He met them in the midst of the terror. He touched them and said, don't be afraid. And when they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. I love that. They looked up and saw no one except Jesus. That's what worship does for us. It's like a corrective lens for the soul that helps bring our focus on Jesus. And it's especially important when life seems to go off the rails and we need something or really someone bigger than our circumstances to put our gaze on. It's like the old song we sometimes sing, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So here's what we've looked at so far. Peter experienced identity and purpose spoken over him. He experienced desire and he experienced the awe and the glory of Jesus. After all of that, it must have made this next experience that much more painful and humiliating. Peter experienced the forgiveness and restoration of Jesus. In Matthew chapter 26, we see that Peter denied Jesus three times. And the third time, he actually called curses down on himself. And he said, I don't know the man. And then the rooster crowed. And then in verse 75, we read this. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken. Before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. And he went outside and wept bitterly. Again, try to put yourself in Peter's place in that moment. What must he have felt? You've spent three years walking closely with Jesus, and now as he goes to his death, you deny you even know him. And he, Peter, went outside and wept bitterly. Let's go back to our passage again. We saw Peter jump in the water and swim to Jesus. When the other disciples arrived ashore, Jesus had a fire burning and he ate breakfast with them. And now we pick up the story again in John chapter 21 at verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, 
take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So if you remember um, from Matthew 26, they're in the courtyard. There's a fire. There's people around. And there are three questions that are asked to Peter, and he denies Jesus three times. Now Jesus takes him back to that place of painful denial. And here they are again. There's a fire. There's people around. And he asks Peter three questions. Why would Jesus do this? Well, I believe Jesus wants to restore Peter and remind him of his part in the larger story. It's like the Bagger Vance clip when Bagger says to Juna, start walking back where you've always been and stand there still, real still, and remember. It was just a moment ago. It's time for you to come out of the shadows, time for you to choose. So we see in verse 17 that Jesus knew Peter's heart before he even said a word. It wasn't Jesus that needed to hear Peter say he loved him. This was for Peter's benefit. I think this was Jesus' way of fulfilling Peter's deep desire to come through. He was showing him how he would come through in the future by caring for the sheep. And this was the same deep desire that Peter had tried to fulfill in the wrong way by pulling out the sword and cutting off the servant's ear. I also think Jesus knew that Peter needed to express his devotion to counter the sense of shame and failure he must have felt having denied Jesus. And we see it happen three times to counter the three denials. Jesus was loving Peter well. He was giving Peter something he didn't even know that he needed in that moment. My best understanding of this is with my own kids. I have three sons. They're older now. And when they were younger, um, as they were going up to bed, I would say, I love you. And one of my sons in particular really struggled to say, I love you back. And so about that time, I would say something like, you know, this is the point where you're supposed to say, you love me too. He would usually smile and say, I love you too, dad, and head up to bed. So I did that because I knew it was important for my son to verbalize his love for me. I did it because if anything happened to me, heaven forbid, I would want him to have the memory of expressing his love for me. I believed it then, and I still believe it, that it's important for his emotional health and well-being. He doesn't struggle to say it anymore, by the way. Peter walked away from that shore knowing he had expressed his love for Jesus three times. If doubt were to enter his mind in the future, he can always remember he clearly told Jesus He loved him. The second part of this is Jesus reminded Peter of his role in the larger story. Jesus said, feed my sheep. So this is my interpretation of that interaction. It would have sounded something like this. Peter, you have an important role here that you were designed for. Peter, this is important. Remember who you are. Peter, you must focus. You are desperately needed. Now, that's the chip translation. Please don't go quoting that. 
But let me ask you, do you believe that you have a role to play that is vital? I love the line from the Dead Poets Society that says, the powerful play goes on and you may contribute a verse. What will your verse be? Or we might say in Battle for the Heart, God's larger story goes on and you have a part to play. What will you do with it? We've seen some of what Peter experienced, but how do we get to that place where we go after Jesus, no holds barred? I want to look at four things that I think help us do that. The first is we have to do some hard soul work. Are there places of pain in your life that have gone undealt with? Jesus wants to heal those. But you'll have to go back to those painful places and stand there still, real still, and remember. And then invite Jesus in. This is the way to find new freedom, to become the man or woman you were meant to be. Peter could have been consumed with shame over his betrayal of Jesus. That shame could have caused him to withdraw from the relationship. And frankly, that's the way I've responded in my life to people who have betrayed me, or even people I've betrayed, is I separate myself from them. But here's the truth. There's the painful event itself, and then there's the response to the event, and they're different things. And this is the journey I've been on recently. Yes, I've been hurt in my life, and I have legitimate grievances. But how am I responding? Am I turning to Jesus for healing, or am I taking matters into my own hands? We are responsible for our response. I'm learning that I have these things called protective strategies of my own making that I employ when I feel insecure or have fear. It typically is some form of isolation or withdrawal, or I might get angry and try to dominate in a situation. Both of them are driven by fear, and neither of them are what God desires for me. Instead, Jesus wants to meet me in the midst of the terror, like he did with Peter, and heal me. He wants to come into that place and say, don't be afraid, so that when I look up, all I see is Jesus. I have to start by repenting of my tendency to take matters into my own hands instead of turning to God. We saw this in the Juna clip. He was going to give up and take matters into his own hands, but there was something better for him, and there's something better for us. The second thing I want to look at is we have to recognize that evil hunts us and wants us to believe lies about who we are. If you're hearing things in your head like, you don't have what it takes, you're defective, you're worthless, you're a loser, that's the voice of the evil one. He might be building on work he started when you were younger. Maybe you received or believed a lie spoken to you in pain about your worth or value, and Satan keeps reminding you of it. We have to replace the lies with what God says about us. As I shared last time I preached, an authentic fellowship of brothers or of sisters is vitally important in this. They can speak against those lies in our life. They can remind us who we are. Chip, that's not who you are. This is who you are. This is who God says you are. They become the echoes of God's voice in our life. 
and it's transforming. Jesus wants to show you your true identity and your true purpose like he did with Peter. Third, we have to go to God for fulfillment of our deep desires. Desires like to love and be loved, to have an impact, to come through, respect, peace, wholeness, rest, beauty. Where are you getting your deep desires fulfilled? God put the desires there and he wants to fulfill them. He will not allow another to take his place. In order to do that, we have to spend time with him, connect with him, pray, meditate on his word, listen to what he might say to us. And not that it isn't a challenge for women too, but I think men especially have a hard time sustaining a devotional life because it has no vital connection to recovering and protecting their strength. It feels about as important as flossing. I know for me, it has to be more than just something I'm supposed to do. It's when I can see my life as the great battle that it actually is. And when I can recognize that I need time with God for my very survival, yes, then I am motivated. And for me, my time with God doesn't usually look like the conventional quiet time. After we got back from being missionaries for three years in Peru, we were pretty broken up as a family. Our, our marriage was struggling. I was riddled with anxiety and depression. And there were days when it was debilitating. There were days when I wanted to die. So I started running, like jogging. And here's what you need to know about me. I absolutely hate running. I don't have the body for it. It's literally on the bottom of my list of things that I would want to do. But what I learned was that in running, I would wear my body out and sort of excise the anxiety out of me enough so that I could be still in God's presence and hear from him. More recently, my time with God tends to be out on our back porch. We have this deck that's kind of surrounded by this big tree, kind of feels like a tree fort back there. And I will go out there and read devotions or listen to music and smoke my pipe, tobacco pipe. It's important to say that these days. Um, time with God each day is not a formula for getting through a certain amount of scripture. It's about connecting with God. We have to keep those lines of communication open. So use whatever helps. Lastly, we have to drink in God's love for us. We have to experience God's love for us firsthand. Do you really know how much God loves you? In fact, do you feel how much God loves you? Does God love us and is he at work in our lives even when we don't feel it? Yes, of course. But the point is that we can and should experience God in real and tangible ways. It's not about more information. It's about sustained transformation that comes from viscerally experiencing God's love for us. He's not some distant God who set the world in motion and left us on our own. There are hundreds of verses that talk about God's love for us, the most familiar being John 3.16. And I want to share one that's less known, one that I really love because I feel like it captures God's heart for us. It comes from Psalm 37, verse 23 in the New Living Translation. It says this, The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. 
He delights in every detail of our lives. Just take a second to think about that. Just think about your God in heaven delighting in every detail of your life. That is not a distant God. All the things Peter experienced are available to us today, right now. Do you believe it? I know it's not easy. Our days are bombarded with things that demand our attention, things that distract us from what's important. And I hope you don't hear me speaking as someone who has this all figured out because I don't. I need this as much as anyone. That said, I feel like I have learned a few secrets along the way, and I want to share one that I learned about 15 years ago when I was working with an organization called Missions International. One of their goals was to do the most comprehensive research project on the planet with regard to church growth, and in particular through small groups. And so we would fly all over the world, and we would survey these churches that were seeing this huge exponential growth. And we would take those surveys back, and we had these guys, these statisticians who worked for companies like Microsoft, and we would hand them all of this data, and they would correlate the data and extrude the common factors. And they, after crunching all the numbers, they came up with this 50-plus page report that they handed us. And do you want to know what the bottom line was? Spend time meditating on God's word. Spend time in prayer and in communion with him. Spend time in authentic fellowship with other believers. I mean, thousands of dollars, hundreds of man hours spent to tell us what scripture was already telling us. It comes down to the basics the spiritual disciplines. It's not always easy to be consistent, but it is pretty simple and basic. It comes down to a choice. If you want to experience the transformational love of God, you have to choose to put yourself in the places where he can speak to you. Peter had a choice. We have a choice. Jesus wants to speak identity and purpose over you. He wants to satisfy your deep desires. He wants to awe you with his goodness and his glory. He wants to forgive you and restore you. Jesus is waiting on the shore. What is keeping you from jumping in the water to get to him? Will you pray with me? Lord, we thank you that you're waiting for us with arms open wide. Lord, help us to choose our, to put ourselves in the places where you can speak to us, where we can hear ident- our identity spoken to us by you, where our desires can be fulfilled, where we see your glory and receive your forgiveness. Forgive us, Lord, when we take matters into our own hands. Lord, give us the courage to let go of control and trust you instead. We pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen.